I was supposed to be sharing uh, two weeks from now or on Palm Sunday, but when I was in quiet time on Wednesday morning, the Lord totally dropped a bomb on me and was like, no, it's go time now. And it has been the most inconveniencing time because uh, David was out of town and anybody with little kids, you get it. So, but I am obedient and willing and I'm trusting that the Lord is going to bring freedom to you today through my word. So uh, we've been talking, we've been in the series of Blind Mind, and David has talked a lot about anxiety and depression, and they're at an all-time high right now, but I really felt like I needed to come and give you a personal perspective on how it feels, because I've experienced it a lot in my life, and uh, uh, anxiety is really awful, and it's not from the Lord, and either is depression. Uh, with my experience with anxiety has always been like my lifestyle has always been one of kind of on edge or like get things done, hurry, hurry, hurry. My type A personality is like things should have been done yesterday. Anybody else? No? Okay. Yes. Yes, hands. Yes. So that that just seemed normal for me that you just can be, you can be great a Christian, successful, and anxious. That's how things get done, right? Until I started having symptoms, until my body started to react. And I call that manifestation. And I used to think of manifestation or when they would say, oh, he's manifesting or she's manifesting. I'm like, kind of weird, kind of odd, kind of super spiritual. I don't know about that. Like, a little dramatic. Those are my thoughts, being honest. Until I started realizing what it really means to manifest, the definition is to, to be made clear or obvious to the eye or mind. Clear, plain, apparent, evident, distinct, obvious to your eye or mind, and recognizable, visible, noticeable. So with anxiety, you can get by with feeling anxious or you can get by with feeling depressed or feeling blue until you finally have something happen to where your body's signifying that, hey, there's something wrong. And that's when you're manifesting. Manifesting to me has looked like random things. I mean, anxiety and stress and fear can do some weird things to your body. My leg, anybody that's experienced is going to be like, yeah, <laughs> my leg would pulsate in, not in the night. Uh, my one, in one week, my arm went completely tingling and numb all the way up. I see people nodding. Um, and then there's been a time, the worst possible attack. And I want you to hear that it is not a sin. And it, mental illness and anxiety and depression isn't a sin. And there's no shame. But it's very real. And it's an attack. Sometimes it looks like an attack from the enemy. But sometimes it looks like undealt with emotions that are deep down that you've been repressing and that are coming up. And it's your body, your God, God made, it's so cool. God made your body to signal to you that something's wrong. And so it's a signal, not a threat. So when you're feeling on edge, I've realized it's not normal. 
It's not normal to live on edge in a rush, anxious, and stressed. That's not normal. That's not God's best for us. And so I've learned now to not let it get to the manifestation stage and to deal with it at the root. And so now I'm going to talk a lot more about that. But for me, anxiety manifested in the worst way when it felt like I was hit in my chest walking down the, after putting my kids to bed with worship music. And, and, and the enemy knows exactly when to hit and how. David was out of town, house to myself, put the kids to bed, and then as soon as I'm walking out, an intense pain hit me like a weight, like a ton of bricks. And it felt like I was having a heart attack. My heart started racing. I couldn't get down the stairs. My hands started shaking. You guys are looking at me like I'm crazy because you're probably thinking, the pastor's wife has this happen? Yeah. And it happens to everyone. You're not exempt because you're a Christian or you're a leader. You're actually more of a target. So don't look at me with the judge or the ah. <laughs> but I'm just saying it happens to everyone, and it's not a sin, and there's no shame. But I just want to acknowledge it and talk about the ways I fight my battle. Um, it is a battle, and it's not normal to live that way. And so when it hit me like that, it was a clear signal that I had something I hadn't dealt with, that I was going to go to heaven. The Lord loves me, and it's not, I wasn't sinning. The Lord just wanted, is saying, hey, it's time to deal with this because I have bigger and better things for you. I have somewhere to take you, and you can't get there if you keep having this issue. I'm bringing it to the light. I'm making it visible, and I'm here to take it away. That's the cool thing. And so during this, this series, of Blind Mind, we've actually had people manifest in their seats. And manifesting can look differently to, for everyone. It can look like shaking, uncontrolled. Why am I crying? Like, get a hold of yourself. <laughs> <laughs> it can look like that. Um, it, and then it could look like at the altar, all of a sudden, you're being delivered. And it looks pretty embarrassing if you cared what people thought. It's, we've got to get past caring what people think and deal with our stuff. So manifesting is a good thing. It's a good thing. The Lord's bringing it to the light. So I hope you start manifesting. Prayer partners. <laughs> the prayer partner's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> We're ready. We're praying in the in tongues now under our breath. <laughs> David starts praying. So anyway, <laughs> in all seriousness, it is a good thing to manifest so that we let's move on. There's things to do, people to heal, freedom to bring to others. So why is anxiety and depression at an all-time high? It's at an all-time high. Everyone, anytime you search it on YouTube or any, all the messages right now in churches are really hitting mental illness and anxiety and depression. Why? Because it's what people click on and they want that's the top viewed things because it's the top thing that people are dealing with. And um, I did a little research, I'm not going to give you statistics because it's pretty boring, but um, in other countries that are poverty, in poverty levels, 
the rates of anxiety and depression are extremely lower than us in America, the land of plenty. We have everything. I mean, it's, it's so awesome in a way. I mean, I literally order, I have groceries coming to my kitchen at six o'clock. Guys, amen. Praise the Lord. Anybody else? I mean, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> but at the same time, we're anxious. And this is why I think a lot of the reason is these can seem a little intense, but I really feel like they were downloads from the Lord. And um, I'm convicted by these just the same. So I'm not here to say, you guys have a bunch of issues and it's time to get right. I'm saying the Lord's speaking to all of us. We're anxious because we are preoccupied and busy with things that do not matter most. We want to be seen and noticed more, than, more by others than we do by God. We equate our value and our worth to the number of followers we have on social media, likes and comments. We are too busy caring about what others are doing and what they're eating uh, more than what God is wanting to do in us and through us. Social media is one of the top things that have caused anxiety because of we've talked about it, comparison, everyone's putting their highlight reel, nobody's really, I mean, it's just funny, we all know this, but you're taking a picture, you're not going to take a picture of your dirty laundry, you're going to take a picture of the one little corner of your house that's perfectly staged, and then everybody thinks, that's what they, they how did they keep their house so clean, why is it so pretty, I wish I could have a house, la 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 la, lies. <laughs> Sorry, little side trail there. Okay. And sadly, it's anxiety and depression is even prevalent in leadership at church, in pastors. Um, there's suicide happening, and it's horribly sad. Um, and I think a lot of it, honestly, is because of the pressure that we put on ourselves that we were never made to carry. It's not up to us. The size of the church how many people come, the, the focus hasn't been so much on actually, actually reaching the loss and actually bringing freedom and changing your city. The, the, the focus starts to be so much on ourselves. And that's another problem with social media and being seen is because the focus is on us when the focus should be on the Lord and what he wants to do. And then there's a lot of shame that comes with leaders or Christians that have anxiety or depression because the thought is something's wrong with me. I shouldn't be dealing with this. This isn't, you know, I can't tell anybody because then I won't be looked at as someone with wise counsel or, you know, there's just all of this twisted stuff that the Lord does to Christians or leaders. And then it isolates them. And that's exactly what the enemy would want to do is isolate you so that you don't tell anybody and you just stay hidden in your constant anxiety, fear, depression, and you never get freedom. Sorry, it's a weighty subject. <laughs> it's a lot. Um, but I do want to say that mental illness isn't a sin and that there's no shame. There's nothing wrong with you. Um, sometimes your healing journey and your process 
looks like medication. And that's hard because you want to say, well, they just, they just need to do all of these things and then they'll be better. But sometimes it's a process and it's a journey for your healing and everybody's process and journey looks different. So there's no judgment if you do take medicine. I have not a problem. Like, and either, I know the Lord doesn't. We take medicine for everything else that we have an issue with, you know? Side note. Okay. What, so what I am saying is that it's too common and that it's not supposed to be this way. There's a very real enemy against you. We all know John 10.10, 10, the thief comes to still kill, destroy. But my favorite part is, I have come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, life in its fullness until you overflow. It's very rare for me to run into somebody that's overflowing. I know I'm not overflowing all the time, and I think there's a lot of things we're missing and why we're not overflowing with abundance of, of peace. Instead, we're walking out confused and tormented. So many times I walk around tormented by thoughts, and they're silly thoughts, and it's the enemy. We have to replace our thoughts. What the enemy would love more than anything is that you would just live in that state, that you would just think it's normal, that it, you would be in constant worry, doubt, confusion, never at peace, never able to give out, that you'd just be comfortable, that you it's okay if you even come to church. It's okay if you even listen to your Bible plan. It reads to you now, just push the little megaphone. It's okay if you do all of those things, but when you actually get in the fight, that's when it gets real. So Ephesians 6, 13 says, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. David said this so many times, um, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter because having done all means having done all. Have we done all? I don't think so. I know I have. I've been so convicted, and the, that's why I feel like the Lord wanted me to talk. It's like, share what I've done in your life, and that's what I'm doing. He's completely messing me up these days. Like, it's a mess. I'm just a mess, but it's good. David, shush it. Having done all, okay, I'm going to give you the real practical version of what I do uh, to fight. So there's always the days where you wake up and it's like a dark cloud is following you around and you just don't really even see a purpose in doing anything. You have no motivation to do anything. Has anybody felt that way? Why am I here? What am I doing? Where's the Lord? There's those days. And we can choose to stay there. We can choose to be that way for the rest of the day and then let it turn into the week and let it get worse. Or we could do something. We could choose to fight. And for me, it looks like, even with postpartum depression, um, it looks like exercise. It, it has always been a big part of my overcoming. This is super practical. Not super popular to hear, but 
man, if, if I'm feeling that way and I drag myself to the gym or I drag myself to go by the park, and my thing is running. You have to find your thing, but running is my thing. And if you, half of you are like, running, heck no, unless someone's chasing me, I'm not running. <laughs> Marlene. <laughs> but I will say there are so many ways to work out. 30 minutes a day, I mean, it's been a game changer for me. When I went to the doctor talking about my symptoms after I had the baby and how I just couldn't get past the funk, and he's not even a Christian, he was like, have you tried working out? And I was like, I mean, a couple days a week, you know how the normal response, yeah, every now and then when it feels right. It never feels right. Newsflash, it never feels right to work out. It never, fe- <laughs> it never feels fun or exciting. I'm never thinking, I can't wait to go sweat and run really hard. No, you have to, ha- you have to do it anyway. So I get there, and it's, I've talked about this at the women saying, I'm about a mile in. I know half of you are like, a mile? You lost me there. But I'm, at, I'm a mile in, and it's like the adrenaline, the endorphins, and, and then I, it's like a double whammy. I listen to worship. My main song right now is this is how I fight my battles. When I'm in the worst like where I feel like I'm just being attacked because there are seasons where you really are just being attacked. Like where it's just like darts coming from every side, like what is happening in my life? That's when I go and I just run it out and I get pretty intense on the treadmill and I am like in it. Now, no, I'm not singing out loud. I'm not like an extroverted person, but I'm just like, yes. And I know there's probably a lot of umph into my running. How I know this is because I'll look over and people are like, hmm. Well, that girl is like an overachiever today at the treadmill, and they're scrolling their phone. Why they're there scrolling their phone, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I guess it's better than nothing, but still, come on. Like, you have to, like, give it your all. So I'm there. I'm fighting my battles. I'm there to fight. I'm not there to play when I'm running. And so it's not easy, never feel like it, but it's a game changer for me. There's that. Eating healthy, just look up Dr. Caroline Leaf. I don't have time to get in all to it, all of it, but if you listen to her podcast, you will be shocked by how much science goes into, like, what, what that agrees with the Bible. And I, I would love to have, that's the talk that's easy and fun for me. The talk I'm having today is harder. So that's a fun one. Just look it up. What you eat has every effect on how you think. If you feel like you're in a fog, you can't have clear thoughts, you feel like you're just in the dumps all the time, the way you're eating and the way you're not exercising are huge parts of that. Limiting social media, I think David talked on this. Here's a great idea. Like, just get off the grid and don't tell anybody about it. You know, we don't need a news flash like, I'm officially stepping away from Instagram for... I don't know how long or whatever. It's like, if you do that, it's not like it's a sin or anything. I'm just making a side point. Like, (laughs) it's not necessary. And it's just like, get off the grid and go be with Jesus. Go be in nature. Go outside. Be in silence. Be with yourself in silence. You don't hear anything. Sit there longer. So limited social... (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm such a teacher, I am. 
I taught kindergarten. Not that you guys are kindergartners, but I'm just saying. I'm very, like, literal. And, uh, <clears throat> where was I? Okay. It's limiting social media. Go outside. Be with your family. Um, there's so many things that have helped me. Another thing that helps me with my depression um, when it hits is I literally have a notebook with it's just plain sheets of paper with all the little dots. It's my favorite for some reason. Just open, no lines. I make a list of every blessing in my life. I write it out. I say, what am I happy about? What am I thankful about? And it could be the silliest things. I, I really, if I wake up in that mood, I have to just go get alone, and I don't get right to my scripture. I literally write out, I'm thank you for my house. Thank you for my husband. Thank you for my kids. Thank you for our church. Thank you for, I mean, there's so many things. And I know it seems so simple and practical, but it's a game changer, and I want I want that for you. I want freedom. I don't want us to be losing the battle all the time. The most important thing, though, that I'm going to tell you about and that I feel like is on the Lord's heart big time is that we've got to spend time with Jesus. <laughs> and that, that is the basics of, of what I'm going to tell you. But let's look in Joshua chapter 1. Just to give you a little background of it, um, Moses, Moses has passed away. He had tried to lead the, the first round of Israelites to the promised land. They complained. I mean, they were the worst possible travelers on the face of the earth. Um, and, and they didn't make it. But their children now are present, and um, they have a chance to make it to the promised land. And um, Joshua is being, what's the word? Com uh, putting in the position. What's the word, totally? Promoted, put in the position. He is now being told by the Lord, like, you will lead the people into the promised land. So starting at verse 6, it says, Be strong and of good courage, for two this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to your, their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may pr prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it and... Wait night and day, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid. He'll be with you. So he repeats, be strong and of good courage a lot. He repeats that a lot, and then he doesn't really get to the point of like, but how? That's great. You don't want me to be afraid. You want me to have courage, but like, how? until you finally find this little snippet, and it says, you shall meditate on the word day and night. It should not leave your, like, it, it's just constantly meditating. And so I want to talk about the importance of meditating. And I'm not talking about, like, new agey meditating. I'm talking about, like, meditating on the word of God and being in his presence. 
Also, I want you to take note that it says, and then you will make your way prosperous because it's a choice because he's not saying I can do it for you. Obviously, you ha- like in the first round, they didn't make it. He, he's saying this is a, sh- a surety that is going to happen because if you do what I'm telling you to, it's going to happen. And so if you meditate, you will make your way prosperous. If you have the word of God living in you, you will have success and prosper. And so their, their promised land is equivalent to us living in abundance inside. The Lord, his target is our innermost being, is our mind, is how there's so much to give out from the inside. If we don't get this right, there's no success in life. You could be rich and miserable. You have to have the inside right. And so prosperity and success starts on the inside. That's his target. And we are responsible for our own success and prosperity. We are, we are the responsible ones. We choose if we're going to fight the battle the right way. So it's an active faith. It's not like, oh, if it's meant to be, it'll happen. Or if it's God's will, well, let it just, if it's God's will, it'll happen. It's got to be, no. If it was God's will, he wouldn't even have a bazillion mentions of how much we should pray in the Bible. Because I, I hear people say all the time, well, the Lord already, you know, because it says in the scripture, the Lord already knows what I'm thinking before I say it. So then I just don't pray very often. But no, the Bible says, ask, seek, knock, and I will answer. And so if we're just doing one of them, say we just knock and walk off, that's it? You just leave him hanging? Like, and you know why he wants you to keep coming back and keep reminding him of his word and keep being with him is because he just wants to be with you. We make it so complicated. He just literally wants us to sit and be with him. And we've talked about what that looks like. Meditation looks like actually knowing his word. Like, say, for example, keeping it real practical. David gives a word. And you, a few of those parts, you're like, I'm not sure. Like, I don't know what that means. Like, I'm not sure. What did he mean by that? That's like foreign to me. Go back. You're, you're taking notes. You're diligent. You go back to be alone with the Lord. And you look through the scriptures and you're, you're chewing on them. You're searching out, like, what did he mean by that? What, what scripture connects with this scripture? And all of a sudden it's like, ah, oh, ah. Oh. And then you're like, you get a revelation, and then you're meditating on it. I know this sounds so simple, but it's like a huge game changer in our lives. Psalms 1, 2 through 3 says, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall never wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. There are so, I couldn't, I had to just like stop myself with the scriptures. There are so many scriptures that say to meditate and to pray to the Lord and to just be with him and how it connects to prosperity. And I'm not talking about prosperity. Yeah, he wants to bless you with money and a a good house, but it starts inside. And that's what he's talking about. He's talking about out of the abundance of your heart, like you will have so much to offer. There are people that are hurting and dying. It's a sad story outside. Like everywhere you go, people are tormented. They're depressed. There's sex trafficking. There's pornography. There's 
murder. There's all of these things right outside these doors. And if we're not ready, we, we won't be able to stand up and make any difference. There's no prosperity that's going to come from us when we're not ready. I'm realizing more and more that I've got to be, I cannot be so passive. I used to think, it's okay. I'll just deal with my anxiety. I can cope. I'll just, I don't need to talk to anybody. I don't need to confess anything. I just need to like get through it. I'll have a better day. But now, and that's the lie of the enemy. But now it's like, oh no. <laughs> it's like, I'm not going to just stay this way. It's a fight. We have to choose to respond. And the Lord's saying, we're in a spiritual lull. A lot of us in Christian faith at this church, even myself, I've found myself at a lull. And a lull is just a temporary or quiet or lack of activity. A pause, an interval, a break, a hiatus, a suspension, an intermission. There's no intermission in this fight. It's time for us to get a little more radical. And I know that sounds crazy from me, and David's getting so excited right now. But radical can look different for everybody. Radical to me looks like saying the word of God and saying it over and over and listening to worship. The thing is, worship and worry, they don't connect. They, they're not possible. They don't exist together. They don't mesh. So thanksgiving, thanking him for everything, reminding him, like knowing his ways, repeating, like, Lord, you're so good. Like, every, you love me so much. I don't deserve anything. And yet you've saved me and you've set me free. James 5.16 says, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Effectual means sufficient to produce a desired result. Fervent, fervent means constant, strenuous, and intense. Yes. See, he gets so excited. Also, again, intensity can look different for everybody. <laughs> but intensity looks like, I don't care what it looks like. I don't care anymore. I don't care about social media. I don't care about my followers. I don't care about what I look like, what you think of me. I'm going after the Lord. And then it says, in Matthew 6, 5, it says, And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward already. And I don't, I don't want us to think that that means we shouldn't have corporate prayer because we need it. Corporate prayer is so vital. But it's just saying, like, it's not about being seen. He wants you to steal away with him. He wants you to go. I can't even count how many times I've parked by the water, and I don't even have worship. I don't even have anything. I don't even get my Bible, an app, or anything, and I just sit there. And I'm like, okay, Lord, what do you want to tell me? Like, why am I feeling blue? Why am I feeling sad? What's happening inside? What do you, how do you see me? What are you doing? And I'll just sit there and sit there. But we're a generation of like microwaves and instant things and everything being catered to us. And all he wants is to sit with us. But we just want this fast result. 
We just ask once and that's it. No, it, it means being persistent. That's what meditating looks persistency. Re- repeating things and not letting things just go away. In the morning, you'll say your two-minute prayer and move out on through your day. No, he's with you all the time. He's like, hello, I'm still here. I know that sounds silly, but he is. He's still there. He's following all the time, but we keep taking it on ourselves, taking the problem on ourselves, thinking it's our thing to deal with. But he's like, hello, my yoke is easy. My burden's light. But yet we're just like, I can figure this out. Just need to work harder. I just need to rearrange my schedule. I just need to do this. I just need to do this. And then we don't always know how to pray. And that's, there's an answer in the Bible for that. It says, Romans 8, 26 in the Passion, it says, And in a similar way, the Holy Spirit takes hold of us in our human frailty to empower us in our weaknesses. For example, at times we don't even know how to pray or know the best things to ask for, but the Holy Spirit rises up within us to super intercede on our behalf, pleading to God. He's pleading to God for you. With the emotional size too deep for words. Some of you are freaked out about the Holy Spirit, too spiritual for you. Well, how's the life of anxiety? What are, what are your options? And you're too afraid to ask for the prayer language because that would be weird. Would that be weird? We spoke another language. It was weird for me when I first came to church and everybody was praying. I'm not saying it's a free-for-all and there should be order in church. Believe me, we have a lot of order. Believe me. I'm just saying it's a game changer. The Holy Spirit comes upon you and he takes over and you don't know how to fight sometimes. You don't know what to say. When you're so broken, you go through tragedy You don't know what to say, and you don't have the Holy Spirit. You're pretty much defenseless. I mean, the Lord loves you. He'll be there. But I'm just saying, you have so much more power with the Holy Spirit. And so then you start praying in tongues, and it doesn't have to be weird. Let's not make everything so dramatic. It's just saying, like, Let's just start praying in tongues under your breath as you drive in the shower. And David's got this down. He is loud. I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I'm trying to wake up and he's like, oh, da, 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 in the shower. I'm like, oh my gosh. It's either that or it's Charles Heston or whatever his name is on the Bible app. And he's so intense. I'm like, that's his intensity level. Mine looks a little different. I'm like, I'm like driving, like, you know, whatever it sounds like. And everyone's prayer language sounds different. And it's, and it's not like, it's not like we have to like try to figure out what it's supposed to sound like or whatever. You're supposed to just ask. That's all you have to do is ask for the Holy Spirit to take over. So after, after I finish, I want you to be praying now. Is this something I'm lacking in my life? Is the Holy Spirit missing in my life? Have I been too scared to ask because it looks kind of weird with some people? I'm telling you, when I first went to a charismatic church in middle school, I was like, what are they smoking? Like flags? <laughs> the, the, 
what a shofar. I was like the horn, like like, and the falling out and then the cloth like are they dead like I don't I, I it was all so much and when you first see that it's a little weird until it happens to you and then you're like uh there's no explaining it but it happened and it's real so I, I just want you to know this has to get real for you it has to look more like a relationship that's ongoing like a personal relationship, like you're, like you're, if you just talk to your, we use this all the time, this example, but if you just talk to your husband a few minutes in the morning and you completely ignored him the rest of the day, that'd be kind of weird. There would be no intimacy. And that's what he wants, is intimacy and connection. Wow. Over there laughing. <laughs> Trying to be serious and they're laughing. Anyway. <clears throat> And the last thing I'll say is, so many times I don't pray because I'm like, he knows, you know, or I'll pray in my mind. Have you ever just like, yeah, like, Lord, I would like you to do this, or like, Lord, do make it happen, or Lord, I know there's a way, or like, give me peace, or whatever, random little things, and there's nothing wrong with that. But there's so many times that I don't pray. Like, it says in John 5, no, wait, where's the... Yeah, the effectual fervent prayer, it says intense, strenuous, and constant. I do not always do that because I'm busy, you know, and we're all busy. But it's a constant prayer, a constant dialogue. It's a dialogue. Yeah. We're not the one talking all the time. So the reason we don't always pray, and the Lord convicted me big time, is because we don't believe. And it's sad to say it. I'll say it for myself. There's been many times I haven't prayed over the years because deep down, if you were to really search, you wouldn't tell anybody. You wouldn't say, well, I don't really believe he can do a miracle. Well, I don't really believe he'll actually do what he says he'll do. You won't say that, but deep down you're believing it. The reason why we don't pray is because we don't really believe he's going to do what he said he would do. We don't really believe he hears us. We feel like it's a waste. Most time prayer ministry is not a really big thing in churches because they're like, oh, we can just pray on our own or we'll just make that a casual thing. But it's like coming together and crying out and remembering we have authority in the spirit to move things, to change things. And we come together, it moves his heart. He actually responds to us. And so if you're having trouble, if you really search yourself today and you don't have, you, you could really find deep down that you are having some unbelief, then the prayer today for you is, Lord, help my unbelief. That's a real prayer, and it's not a sin. The Lord wants to help you. He's not saying figure it all out yourself. He will come over you. He will help you with your unbelief. We can't think that prayers don't matter or that they don't move the heart of the Lord. There's a story I found on Instagram, and that just goes to show there are actually good things on social media. But there's a story I saw on Instagram where they talked about a tornado that went through the county and wiped out everything. All that was remaining was a little, on, on one of the houses, was a little tiny closet. The walls were still there. 
of the closet. And I'm telling you, every single other wall and every house around it were gone. And th there are similar stories because I was born in Joplin, Missouri, and there's they had that horrible tornado, the level four or whatever. Same thing. There were stories like this. And that's because that closet was this praying grandma's closet. Like She prayed in there day and night. She cried in there, cried out to the Lord. And all that was standing was that closet. That closet represents your sanity, your peace in the midst of the storm. And it also stands as proof that he hears our prayers and not one prayer or tear is in vain. I feel like the Lord wants to do something in our hearts today. This was a really hard message for me to give. And it's very vulnerable to say that, hey, I struggle with anxiety and depression. But I've figured out ways to fight, and the Lord enables me to fight it. I don't live with it daily. I get attacks, and I choose to respond. And I want you to make that choice today. I want you to choose to respond. Are you going to live this way? Or are you going to come here and lay it at the altar today? Are you going to treat anxiety as a signal and get to the root? Or are you just going to let it be? Are you going to just live without the Holy Spirit so that he can't intercede for you? Or are you going to come here and say, hey, I don't have my prayer language. I've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Today's the day. It's a perfect day. You don't have, you don't have all. You cannot stand doing all without the Holy Spirit and without knowing his word. Get with me afterwards if you like the practical. I'll talk to you. I'll give you the apps. I'll tell you exactly what I do to read the Bible and exactly what I listen to worship and exactly how I do it. Not that you have to do it that way, but I'll give you a good start because I want to see you set free. I'm not just here to give a good message. I'm laying out my life for you. I'm laying down my life. not about me. It's about you getting free so that we can actually make a difference, so that you don't live tormented, so we actually can see the city change. We can't go where we're, we are called to go at this church. I feel like it's a, a matter of heart. We have to make the decision to say, hey, we are going to be a praying church that cries out to the Lord, that's full of the Holy Spirit. That's what's going to move the heart of the Lord. You think it's anything for him to drop a million dollars or whatever it takes for us to build out and move on? It's easy for him, but he wants to see that we're all in it. Are we in it to win? Are we? So I just want the prayer partner. I've never done an altar call. So prayer partners, music. <laughs> Whatever happens. <laughs> David.